Welcome to Cartridge Command, your weekly retro gaming podcast where we discuss and review the classic and not-so-classic games of the 8- and 16-bit era. I'm Nick. And I'm Eric. And I'm Dale. And this week's game is Shadowrun for the SNES, Part 2. Right, we are back, Cartridge Commandos, and this week we're going to take a look at the the manual. We'll get into some general chat and pick up where we left off with our level by level exploration of this sweet game. So real quick before we start this, Dale, I wanted to ask if you had this problem where since uh, we started reviewing this game I with an almost unerring, I got to say, 98, 99% chance probability, I have misspelled it as shadow rum almost every time I have typed it in. <laughs> I, I'm not a rum drinker or anything. I don't know why. What's, what's wrong with me? I guess the letters are close, but you run up against this. Would you drink shadow rum? I would absolutely drink shadow rum. <laughs> and I will say that I have not had that that issue. So <laughs> I guess I am a little older. I guess the dementia's sneaking in. Yeah, you got to put your iPhone on 125 <laughs> percent zoom. That's <laughs> at a minimum. All right. So for this manual, have did you take a look at this, uh, Mister Dale? I briefly skimmed through it. I kind of leave the manual section for you to surprise me a little, and then as you're talking about it, I'll take a look and give you my fresh thoughts. Right on. Okay. I was just curious because. I think this is definitely a game that it's worth it because it's pretty unique and it's hybrid of point and click and normal RPG stuff and pretty uh, different setting than normal. Now, this is a little off topic, but let me ask you, Nick, are you a collector of Nintendo games like uh, not, boxed versions with the manual? Not so much. I, I have a very strange collection that kind of I accrued back 15 years. I don't know. I, I briefly worked at a, at a Quaker Steak and Lube and there was a used video game and you know gaming hobby store on the way home and i i was a part-time server so i'd have cash in hand and sometimes i would just stop by and my collection uh, was very strange because it was just weird games that i knew friend of the show bill has a pretty extensive collection of all like the big hits your mega mans your zeldas you know a lot of great games so mine was always very weird it was just like i know bill doesn't have this or you know if he had it i was like i know i can borrow it from him so just lots of weird stuff. So uh, I believe I went to the same game store that you used to frequent, uh, along with another one uh, a little further out downtown. Um, but I used to go there all the time. And I actually still to this day have a decent collection. But I, the reason I bring it up is I was looking for Shadowrun um, online last night just to see what it's going for, the rarity. Mm. Um, again, with the history of this game, it critically received very well. Um, people loved it, but it didn't sell well. It just wasn't popular at the time, unfortunately. Mm. Um, but this game is, uh, there was a wide range of prices all the way up to, I think, $800 for a boxed copy complete with manual. Wow. Okay. Yeah. It's man. Prices have definitely exploded. So <laughs> I, I don't know. It's not as easy as it once was, you know? And then that's also to say that this manual looks awesome. So uh, a lot of people are going to be deprived from seeing this thing unless you find a copy online. Yeah, yeah, which I found the copy I'm looking at was on the Internet Archive itself. 
Manuals are pretty easy to find online by typing in the title of the game and then instruction manual into Google, and I almost always find a link right away. So I highly recommend it to everyone. Um, Sounds like dark magic, brother. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm a computer hacker, trust me. Uh, you know, I was in the Matrix. I took out some ICs, and I was able to find this book. You cyberdecked uh, in. Yeah. So, yeah, like you said, this is a pretty good manual. Um, it's It's clocking in at 36 pages, which Ooh. is pretty beefy. It's color, but mostly just the screenshots. Uh, there's a lot of black and white art that, to me, I can't necessarily say it's super familiar, but I would bet money that this these are lifted artworks from the the tabletop RPG handbook because they're high high quality, much much better than typical instruction manual artwork, as well as you know they're not like specific to this game or the characters in it, so. Uh, I would yeah. agree 100%. The uh, the black and white artwork in this is awesome. Uh, definitely doesn't look like it came from anything they developed specifically for this game. Um, it had to come from some promotional material from the tabletop game, I would assume, because it's just too good to hire an artist to put this level of art in a SNES manual, right? Yeah, that's what, yes, absolutely. And, you know, I think, well, the rest of it is mostly just business, but it does confirm in the brief uh, story page, kind of, that this is... The streets of Seattle, more than 50 years in the future. Because I remember we were kind of uh, talking about that last time where I was like, I think it's Seattle. And then after watching the intro again, I, I did see the Space Needle go by. So I was like, okay, well, it definitely is. But yeah, for the most part, you know, it goes through the things you would expect it to do, you know, your controls, which real quick, I did want to note that something, one thing I really like about this game that not a lot of isometric games do is it gives you a control type they call it a or b where if you're you know control type a if you press up moves you diagonally not up whereas type b will just move you the you know you have to press diagonal to move diagonally so i like that they give you that kind of option wait there's a control option we can switch i had no idea yeah yeah i i I didn't really have too many issues with it because it's not really a big, you know, you're not platforming or anything, but it's one of those things in a lot of isometric games that you run up against where you're like, all right, how did they map your D-pad, basically? Is it my, you know, pressing up to move a diagonal? And if so, which way is it? Or, you know, so here, they give you a little leeway, which I like. Fantastic. I like it. Yeah, it does a good job going through your your different um, action gloves or whatever, uh, you know, your cursors, your keywords, stats, menus, weapons. Aren't, it has a weapon and armor chart, which is pretty handy. I agree. It's uh, not a lot of Super Nintendo games or Nintendo games include this level of data. This is something that you grow up and find on the internet later. It does mention some stuff about uh, Shadow Runners, where you, I mean, spoilers, I didn't end up using any the whole game. But uh, No kidding. Yeah, I, I kept being thinking I would, but it just... I don't know. It didn't need to, I guess, but I, I guess there's a way that you can use your action glove on the on the character and press uh, the B button, which will allow you to look at their screen and you can kind of command them to do something. So I was curious because I'm pretty sure that you use some shadow runners. How? Because you know they'll kind of by default just AI start attacking or whatever. But I guess you can. You know, so my you can... girl was Kitsune. I ran with her for a large part of the game. Mm -hmm. um, and you can actually, I was going to talk to you about this a little more in level by level once we jump back in. But okay, okay. you hover the glove over your shadow runner and select them. And that's how you get status on their health. That's how you command them to cast certain spells, um, which ended up sort of being a control gripe for me because it really slows the combat down. Yeah. And every time we finish a fight, I would have to get the glove out, move it over 
select my shadow runner and then see how much health they have see if they need to heal get the glove back out go over to them have them heal themselves it's just slowed slowed everything down a little bit yeah i can see that i you know but it's pretty cool that you can you can do that selecting specific targets for them which is pretty nice or seems like it would be if you're into that <laughs> <laughs> i did uh, notice yeah. nick in the manual uh there is a blurb about shooting innocent people did you happen to read this section or did you shoot innocent people during your playthrough I did shoot one. I see. Did you get a message saying that you will lose karma if you continue to engage in this terrible behavior? Oh, no, I didn't. I, I, I'll tell you the person I shot as we get to the level by level. But uh, <laughs> Ooh, suspense. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, um, but I mean, it makes sense. Yeah, apparently you get a, you get a message and uh, they'll, they'll tell you to stop shooting people and they'll take karma from you. So I never tried it though, so. Oh, well, I, you know, normally I refrain from that kind of behavior, but. You're a, you're a man of, a man of, man of the people. If you do me wrong, man, you're as good as dead. <laughs> Send you to that morgue where we started. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, and it's got a good section with your, with your spells and especially the matrix lines out all this stuff. In a way, I kind of thought that when you actually play the game and play the matrix like the manual kind of makes it sound more difficult or complicated than it actually is but still pretty good stuff i think all around agreed if you had to give this manual a rating out of 10 what would you give it oh uh i'd give it an eight eight or nine somewhere up there and there's not a lot that i would change about it to be honest you know i think i would have gone nine man i can't imagine yeah. it being a whole lot better this is a top-notch manual the artwork really gives you something to to think about visually like it lights up your imagination all the data that you need plus some more is in there there's story it's got it all yeah absolutely so you know what i recommend it wholeheartedly our listeners should check it out Right, Dale. So what, if any, was your previous experience with this game or Shadowrun in general? Well, Nick, unfortunately, this is the first time I've ever played this game and the first time I've ever heard of this game. <laughs> okay. Fresh so, meat. Huh? <laughs> yeah, I am totally fresh coming into this experience. And uh, I think we kind of came out of the gate uh, a little negative talking about it. But but overall, I, I'm having a really good time with it. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, you know, personally speaking, I read of this game several times. When I was young, uh, I don't know, 13, 14 year old, I, I liked it a lot, despite, like we said, we may seem like we're coming down on it kind of hard, but it's just, uh, it's one of those games that's kind of frustrating. Cause it's like, man, if it had a few tweaks, it would be much more accessible. I can see why this might have alienated some RPG players, young, you know, of the, of the console types back in the day. Yeah. Now, so while I never played this when I was young or nor have I heard of it, um, I feel like if I would have played it when I was young, I wouldn't have stuck with it. Uh, it's typically not my type of game, but uh, as an older gentleman now, uh, I can really appreciate it for what it is. Um, I know that you told me that you've played this a handful of times in the past. Uh, did you ever beat it before? I did not. I'm not exactly <laughs> sure how far I got. Um, as we'll discuss very shortly here, neither of us have completed this game yet, so we're doing a kind of uh, in media res uh, <laughs> previous experiences thing. So... I, I'm, I'm pretty close to or right out as far as I got in my youth. You know, I do recall this being featured in a uh, Nintendo Power, which I'm definitely going to check out before our next 
episode of this game because I want to see where it left off because I have a feeling I wasn't too much farther than that before I, you know, I stopped playing or, you know, I couldn't rent it again or whatever, you know, I never owned it. So I, I have a have a suspicion that I because I remember thinking like I was about three quarters or 80 <laughs> percent of the way through the game. But now looking at it, I'm like, no, nah, not quite. But um, Roger that. Yeah. Um, as you said, just uh, kind of let let the people know who are listening um, for some of these longer games. And this is somewhat of a longer game. It's kind of difficult to play through the entire thing and uh, really kind of get your thoughts down uh, by the time you finish the game. Because as we're talking about the beginning, I may have a completely different idea of what I think about the game. Yeah. So it's I think it's kind of fun to play through it, um, record our thoughts on where we're at, because by the time we finish this, maybe uh, we'll, we'll think more negatively or maybe we'll think more positively. Who knows? Yeah, man. People change. Feelings grow. How has your uh, recent experience, your playthrough, your only playthrough so far been going? It's been going well-ish, I will say. So I wanted to play through this as if I were a kid, right? So I, I didn't really want to look too much up on it. I just wanted to throw it on, play it, and uh, experience it, see what my initial thoughts were. Okay, and I started okay. to realize that this is the kind of game that could be uh, five hours long or it could be 15 hours long. Because um, as we kind of briefly touched on, if, if you kind of miss a keyword or a dialogue option or an item laying on the floor, which um, we'll get into it with graphics later on, but um, uh, much of the items that you can interact with and pick up in this game are really difficult to see. They don't they don't kind of pop out from the background. Yes. Um, and that can hang you up for a long period of time, just backtracking through every screen, trying to pick out what it was that you missed. Um, um, so at some point through my playthrough, I realized I was kind of on a on a crunch here. So I started to look at some walkthroughs and some uh, some videos. And uh, at that point, I started to enjoy it a lot more. So I don't know what your thoughts are on that. But. Well, I could see, you know, this per, this game, perhaps to uh, someone who's like, I'm a fan of the tabletop RPG. So this has a lot in common with it systematically or certain things. So I'm right at home, kind of. But if you were only used to playing like a Dragon Warrior or Final Fantasy, you'd be like, what the hell is going on? I don't, you know what I mean? Every, it's, it's a very unique system, I guess, amongst console RPGs. Yeah, I think the, uh, the the purists for this kind of game would prefer that people go through it without a walkthrough because I guess in essence, it kind of makes you feel like you are Jake Armitage. You know, you're a detective and you're trying to figure things out. Yeah. That's exactly what he's trying to do. So you are role playing in that sense. That's true. That's true. So how far have you gotten? So, uh, so I am currently at the car yards. Ah, yes. Okay. So and there's a uh, uh, at this point in the game, you're sort of stuck in the car yards, which is sort of a trope of many, many RPGs. A lot of Final Fantasies tread this ground where you're thrown in some kind of jail or you're you're uh, locked up somewhere. And the only way out is to fight your way through some kind of arena. So that's yes. that's where we're at. Yeah, yeah. It's an interesting little this. This was a sticking point. I remember I think my first rental or uh, there was a point where I was just like, well, I don't know how to get out of here without. <laughs> well, Without the evil grinding, you know, where there there is a, there's that one screen down in the car yards where you can just keep fighting the same, and you kind of have to. Um, yeah. More about that in our level by level. However, because I've gotten to, I think it's the the Dark Blade Club. Okay. It's a, a vampire club. It's a it's a little bit later. I believe it to be about halfway through the game. I'm starting to get onto new territory, but I, however, have been cheating. I got to come oh, clean. No, okay. Uh, <laughs> well, in I'm trying to think when it was. You know, Nick, as we're in this section, I guess it's worth mentioning, and we can always chop this out later if you if you feel the need to. But sure. uh, so this game was only ever released on the Super Nintendo. It never got any love after that. There are no ports. It's not on the Switch eStore. 
uh, Wii U, nothing like that. On top of that, while it was a critical success, it was sort of a commercial failure, so they didn't print a lot of copies of this game. So really, you got two ways to play this. It's the Super Nintendo console, the way the Lord intended, or you're going to have to play it emulated, uh, which is which is what we're currently doing, which is a, yeah. a bummer in my opinion. That's wild. Yeah. So, okay. My cheating, my confessional here, uh, I guess back in, I think it was... 2013 retro gamer reported they had an interview with some of the developers of this game and one of them mentioned that there was a hidden room that was never discovered that they made kind of for helping uh you know kind of like your 30 man code or whatever so it's kind of tricky but you know you uh, start like a off development room okay kind of where you you start off inside a morgue and it's like just outside the only thing you have is a matchbox that's or yeah your first piece of equipment kind of so you leave the morgue and you stand under there's a specific right outside of it is a a street light that is kind of flickering and you have to go stand right kind of behind it it's it's kind of tricky to find and then you basically go to your item screen and start examining your matchbox and if you're standing in the right place you hear a beep you do it a second another beep third time beep fourth time beep and you leave and walk into the door to return to the morgue and examine it for the fifth time and you'll hear three beeps then you select the matchbox again and you'll see in that little menu where it's like you know you press l to examine it yeah well it now has the open with the r button uh, thing and you do that and you get warped to a secret room where you will find a bunch of waitresses who give you money and karma in ridiculous amounts there's a can of dog food that you can get that makes you invincible you son of a and a bunch of doors that take you to different parts of the game. So I was like, "You, you are a uh, a cheater, possibly a pumpkin I, eater, my friend." I, man, I know, I know. Well, I knew, I knew ahead of time where I was like, you know, I've played this before, <laughs> so I knew about the certain grinding spots where I was like, "You're, you're going to get caught up in this," you know. Yeah. So I went ahead and used the code. I used the each. There's like five or six of these waitresses all standing by a door, and they give you karma and money at the same time in increasing amounts. So. I just went to the first one. You talk to her. She'll give you 20 karma and 5,000 bucks. Okay. And that's the only one I use because I was like, that'll let me get my firearms and body up so that I can skip the first grinding spot. However, it also yeah. starts you off with a magic of 10 and all the spells except for heal. Oh, so my friend. I, okay. Now I have been, I refused with a few exceptions to use any of the spells. I was like, I'm going to wait till I would earn them. Cause I'm, tr- I'm not trying to just waltz through it in a totally yeah. broken way. I'm just <laughs> trying to get out of an hour or two of grinding, you know, gotcha. yeah. which I confirmed by, you know, I've watched several playthroughs where they're like, I'm like, okay, this is a five and a half, six hours. And it's like, there are just certain points where you're like, all right, he's killing these same guys for 20 minutes. I'm skipping, you know, where I was like, I'm just trying to get past that stuff. Understood. Well, I may not use that, but I guess my version of cheating at some point, once we get to these grinding sections, that fast forward button is going to look real attractive. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Absolutely. I will mention, too, that if you use this cheat, you know, you have the matchbox through the whole game. And at any point, you look at it and press that R button again to warp back there. Oh, man, you don't even have to walk back to that screen. You can just you do have to initiate it at that first screen outside the org. But once you've done that, you can just warp there and then leave. So I did go back one more time to get (laughs) some more karma. (laughs) Once I got to the very car yards we were speaking of, where it's like, all right, I just I need to. Need a little more juice in the tank, so I've been more karma, man. You're you're twitching. Uh-huh. I've been, I've been trying to respectfully use this game without completely breaking the breaking it entirely. So again, if uh, anyone wants to play the game, and but you you might find it a little too intimidating, or maybe or you just don't have a lot of time. Yeah, 
yeah, you got the, you know, and I just think it was fun that it was, uh, you know, it was for a developer or reviewers to test out different places and stuff in the game, but no one figured it out. You know, it was a secret. Yeah, yeah. A lot of, a lot of games sort of do that little strategy where there's a secret thing that they leave in the game so that while they're making the game, they can kind of get through the grindy stuff. Uh, funnily enough, most recently, Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom came out. And uh, one of the mm-hmm. abilities in that game is called Ascend, where you can fly right through the ceiling and then climb to the surface of whatever cave you're in. And that was apparently a development tool that they decided to just ride into the game because they thought it was fun. Oh, cool. It is. That's one of my favorite abilities. I walk around staring at ceilings more than I care to admit, but... (laughs) Here we are. It's time for some general chats. General chat. It's my favorite kind of chat. That's right. Four-star general chat. And <laughs> we can start because I'd like to talk a little bit about the graphics. I really like the graphics. I love the the nice small sprites. Not super detailed, but I think especially your sprite, you know, you got a pretty decent amount of animation for your shooting and spells and such. Yeah, I would say, in my opinion, the graphics are serviceable. Uh, I was curious what your thoughts would be on this, because you are the cartridge commando, my friend. I'm just a cartridge yeah. cadet at the moment. <laughs> um, so I haven't played nearly as many uh, Super Nintendo or Nintendo games as you and Eric have. But jumping into this, I thought I was a little underwhelmed by the graphics. I will say the character art and the dialogue windows is really well done. Mm-hmm. But it, it, I don't know. It's, it's, well, they're not bad. It's, yeah, I mean, again, they're small sprites, which I'm a fan of, but there's not a great variety of them. You know, there's, what, eight, nine enemies maybe total in the game that you you fight over and over. Some of them are literally just a gun sticking out of a window. So it's not, you know, it's not super awesome, but they have that, that certain charm. I think they're a little more detailed than sprites of that size that I've seen in the, in the past, especially if you've played a lot of NES games and such, but... And the same thing with the music. I really like it, but kind of repetitive. Same thing. You know, I, I really like the backgrounds. I think they, while are not all crazily unique, it kind of makes sense. You know, there is a sort of realisticness to it because you are just in a city, you know, so it's not like every building's going to have crazy colors and it's, you know, you're kind of dystopian future, weird little fans and things in it. You know, there's a good amount of detail in the background that made the world feel pretty lived in that. You know, I liked a lot. Agreed. Uh, And that wasn't meant to sound like a gripe, really. Uh, As I played the game, everything grew on me quite a bit, uh, including the music. So graphics and music. My first impression was, okay, this is repetitive. Mm -hmm. uh, Not not super duper great. Graphics were good, but not crazy good. But then as I played the game, the aesthetic really tonally grew on me. They, They really nailed the vibe they were going for. So yeah, yeah, I think yeah, I think it kind of all combines to perhaps a sum that is greater than I'm sorry, a total that is greater than the sum of its parts. It's <laughs> too much math for me, brother. Uh, yeah, for real. <laughs> and we've 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 talked about the cursor based controls, and while they are a bit awkward, I don't think the game punishes you for it necessarily. No, not at all. It's that's another thing that. Once you get used to the game, it becomes a non-gripe at some point, outside of a few quality of life changes that um, if anyone were ever to re-release this game or remake it, just a few quality of life changes would take this from being an already really great game to a masterpiece, I think. Yeah, yeah. 
as awkward as the like combat kind of seems, it, it does kind of coalesce into a stressful where you're like, oh, oh crap, somebody's shooting at me. Like, you know, you'll start to panic, but then it's like I'm taking such little damage, you know, after the very beginning of the game where it's like you're like, oh, no, I got to get my cursor over. So I got to kill, you know, and it's like, oh, hold on, exactly, settle down. It's not as bad as it seems, but, you know, I think it's pretty cool that the game does get me there, you know, for a Super Nintendo game. This has a lot of adult themes. Did you notice that? Yeah, well, it does have a pretty... Yeah, it's not your typical JRPG where you've got bright anime characters, you know, and stuff like that. So it does kind of strike that more mature experience, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. I think I mentioned in the first episode that the soundtrack sort of reminded me of the the Genesis sound profile. And I guess also tonally Mm -hmm. for Super Nintendo, this reminds me of a Genesis game. Yeah, I I can see that totally. I didn't think that it was... Although, again, as I admitted before, uh, that I cheated shamelessly, uh, this it wasn't really a super hard game once you kind of figure it out or commit to the, you know, I, I skip past the grinding and I know there's a couple spots where it just kind of requires it of you. So I was curious to see how you felt about that. I mean, I also think there's a couple puzzles that are pretty like, I don't even know, like, you know, it would take me a while of wandering around to be like, I don't know, like the mermaids where I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) And certain things like that. But, um, but yeah, I was curious if you thought this game was, was, was too hard or inscrutable. That's one of the main things I wanted to chop it up with you in general chat about, uh, because (laughs) we'll get to the review section, of course, and lay some numbers on everything. But I think everyone knows at this point that we enjoyed this game quite a bit. I definitely had a great time with it. But I'm wondering if I would not have had such a good time if this were 1993, 1994, and I didn't have the internet helping me walk through this thing um, because there would have been a lot of points yes where i'm looking at my inventory i'm looking at the keywords that i've accrued i'm looking at all my stuff and i'm like who the heck do i need to go talk to and what do they need to tell me yeah that's i wish um i know you'll remember this feature from uh final fantasy 7 where you know you can press select and the little all the exits get a little arrow you get the little finger to show you you know that would have helped a lot in certain spots to be like hey there's a button here or hey these are your you know to their credit they kind of you know things blend in in a quote-unquote realistic way but you know like with that scalpel at the beginning it's like man if i could hit select and see a little you know make it glow or something just be like hey that's something i can interface with it could could help save some uh <laughs> some some time agreed and don't even get me started on the switches inside the ship yeah yeah that's uh, <laughs> uh we'll get there but uh and as far as the keywords go in general i am a keyword fan because i think that especially with consoles you know like old school computer rpgs would a lot of times use like a text parser which is not really an option with a <laughs> controller in your hand I, I like them and they're fine because it gives you a little more to do in a, say a town situation or something you know you can pump people for information but i just gotta shout out the the best way i've ever seen it done was in the ultima quest of the avatar port for the sega master system because what they do they use a keyword system again to replace a text parser but it only shows you ones keywords that will trigger a unique response you know how it's like 80 or 90 percent of you know because your list of keywords gets longer and longer and you can you know and it's just like if you really want to be thorough it's like well crap i gotta go through each one on each person and that is a slog yeah especially if you're if you're impatient like me i don't want to sit there and go through every single keyword i've ever accrued just to see what this person wants to talk about yeah and and when the majority of them are just going to be like i don't know anything about that or 
leave me and alone, it, you jerk. Or, you know, so it's like, if, if you just take those out of the the playing field, then it, it, I don't know, it's, it's really streamlined. And it's just something I really liked about that particular game that I think any keyword game would benefit from because I've never really seen it since then. And speaking on grinding as well, not to jump around too much, but there is a grind spot in this game that if I didn't have some of the benefits of 2023 technology, this would have drove me crazy as a kid. And we'll chop level by level. Oh, sure. Okay. Uh, Yeah, I I believe you. A lot of running back and forth, doing things over and over again. Yeah, yeah. I mean... And let me just say, here and now, Nick, for all the listeners and fans out there, that I'm a man of peace and love for all God's creatures. <laughs> Everyone deserves a seat at, at the table of dignity and respect. And I wish nothing but happiness and fulfillment upon my fellow man. Wow, except okay. for the guy that programmed the doors in this game, <laughs> and namely the freezer doors in Dr. Maplethorpe's office. Because there's one in the bottom right corner that every time I try to interact with it, it just hits me and bounces back to closed. And I'm like, why? I want to know what's in there. I, You know, what's crazy is that I, I remember you mentioning that last time and you know, I, I never really ran up against it. And I was like, what am I doing different? Or, you know what I mean? Like, I, I think once or twice I knew it could happen, but, I, and I wasn't going out of my way to be like, don't bump into the doors, but it's just, uh, I don't know. Eventually I adapted. I'm a friend of doors. So, you know. <laughs> okay. Let me ask you this, Dale. What about the band, the doors? Oh, fantastic. Okay. If you're a fan. Yeah, me right. too. All right. All right. But I think, uh, you know, and, and, one of the big strengths of this game is the story. I really like, I'm a big fan of a mystery detective noir kind of story. This game's got that in a cool setting. So I really like it. You know? for its time as well. It's definitely a fantasy futuristic game, but it didn't get super cheesy, which I appreciated. Uh, the dialogue mm-hmm. stayed pretty true to what was going on. Um, there weren't any weird gaps or loopholes that weren't closed. Uh, it all wraps up really nicely. The story is definitely, I think, the highlight of the game. Yeah, I, I agree uh, wholeheartedly, and I, I like that it's it is open ended, but not completely. You know, it's not like a sandbox. It, it still manages to usher you from you know area to area in certain ways, but without losing that feeling of kind of like freedom or exploration that I enjoy. So I, I really, I really like that about this game. Did you catch the dialogue at the end of the game that mentions "We'll see you in Shadowrun 2? I did. I was very disappointed that I haven't seen that. <laughs> True. What a tease. What a tease. All right. So we are in our level by level section. And as we left off, we had just arrived at the car yards which is kind of a subsection of what we'll call Old Town, which is the next neighborhood of Seattle, I guess, that we're going to explore. Agreed. Next section of the game. Yeah, we were we were kind of shipped off here by Glutman, or Glutman, depending on how you <laughs> prefer, <laughs> uh, to, I guess, hide to protect us. But it, it seems kind of like some backhanded help here because... <laughs> You know, you're, you're just kind of stuck here. It's called the car yards because it's there are no buildings here. It's all just, I, I guess, a giant junkyard with, you know, all the walls and barriers are just made of old wrecked cars. Yeah, the aesthetic is, is awesome here. Uh, it felt to me like Glutman was trying to get Jake stuck here. Like he didn't want him to advance any further in his quest. So he had his goons act like that he was protecting him here, but really wanted him to get stuck in the car yards. 
Yes, and it it's not very large, just a couple screens, and and it's it's really dominated by. There's kind of some sections where you can talk to people. There's the exit where the king who the king is the leader of the car yards, I guess, and he will not let you out unless you pay. What was it four thousand cred or new yen? I'm sorry. Yeah, four thousand new yen. And the other option, the only other option is to fight him and beat him. Yeah, because there is uh, the big main attraction, I guess you could say, is the arena where you, you can, you know, you enter. It's a series of duels with escalating difficulty. Now, Nick, I'm a fan of when they do this in games, and this is a common JRPG trope. And just about every Final Fantasy game, there's a part where you're locked somewhere or you're thrown into an arena and you can't get mm-hmm. out until you fight your way out, which is right out of an 80s action flick. Yeah, yeah. And that's what you need to do pretty much because you can either earn enough money to buy your way out, which isn't too tough. Or you can, like you said, if you ask, there's a gentleman who runs the arena, kind of, and you can talk to him. He will teach you the negotiation skill for 1,000 million, which helps you get better prices for Shadowrunners. And will the king will, if you have the skill at least level two, he will lower the price to leave from 4,000 to 2,000. So if that's the way you want to go, you definitely want, you know, it's, it's worth the investment here. Yeah, and there's also a brief mention in this section of the game of a character called Drake, which uh, was the one that left you a message back in your apartment, and he becomes an important character later on. Yes, the Drake himself. He. Uh, we should mention that this is the area where we kind of headed, or I kind of headed towards this earlier, where you can buy, if you have the, the heal keyword, uh, there's a little boy who will sell you slap patches for 100 million. And I frequented this little boy's shop many, many times. Ah, uh, well... I envy you. I guess you can hold up to six at once, but I didn't have any because I didn't have the keyword. So this was where I had to break my kind of vow of cheating where, you know, I was trying just to use that cheat option to skip out the grinding. But here I was like, well, I don't, you know, I I don't even have the heal spell. I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I was able to defeat a few of the goons in the arena without it, but I eventually got to the point where I was fighting, trying to think, because there's a total of 10 foes you can fight in that arena. And I think you can get through five, at least maybe six without with the current equipment. I I didn't realize at first, too, that you just need to ask the arena fellow, uh, use the keyword king. That's how you fight the king to leave. I thought you had to beat everyone to get up there. (laughs) So I was really trying and I couldn't. I got to, I think, the samurai warrior. Or maybe Ferocious Orc. I don't know, the sixth or seventh guy where I was like, I don't know how I'm going. This is impossible. And I can't get the, I cannot get the slap patches to help, you know, to heal in the battle. So, because I would get very close. One time I actually saw the guy die as I died. And I was like, oh, man, the worst. So I broke my vow and started using some magic, uh, specifically the invisibility spell. Copy, which that becomes a, uh, an important one later on. But um, so this section, I don't know how far you can get without slap patches because that would that would really hinder your progress. But with slap patches, I was able to make it up to the gang leader, which is level eight out of ten. OK, um, nice. gang leader is, in my opinion, easily the hardest person to, to fight in this game. And it's the first time in the game that I actually died. And I, it's the first time that I realized that when you use your action glove to target people, it'll lock onto them. So as they move around and strafe, it'll it'll stay with them. So you just tap your fire button. But yeah. if they move too quickly, which some enemies do, uh, you'll lose that lock. And I, I guess that's yeah. part of the quote unquote action of this game is to keep your cursor 
locked on the, the enemy that you want to take down. But the gang leader has the craziest strafe in the game. This guy's flipping all over the place. He's doing circles around you and you break lock on him super quick. And if you're not getting that constant DPS of firing your gun at him, then he's going to take you down. Oh, absolutely. And they are armed, man. Uh, all these, you know, the first five or so are pretty chill. But yeah, the gang leader is definitely tough. Once I realized I, I was wrong about the king, you know, I was just using that invisibility spell because for the listeners, because we haven't really talked about the spells, which will give them a more a closer look when we actually earn them instead of being a cheater like myself. Uh, but the invisibility spell will basically turn you invisible for about five seconds per level of the spell. So I bumped it up to like level three, I think. So and while you're invisible, they will just stop fighting they'll stop they'll move around but they won't shoot at you so using that i was able to defeat him and then i realized oh i can just fight the king so i did that and left basically like and you know each of these foes will grant you more and more uh Nuyen as a reward so you know you can beat five of them and be able to afford your way out pretty easily yeah, you'll earn 7,000 new yen for getting through the first five fights. And as we mentioned earlier, you can do that without even having slap patches. So it's really up to you whether you want to fight the king or just buy your way out at that point. But yeah. I would suggest continuing on if you're able, because you'll get another 4,000 for level six. You'll get another 5,000 for beating the ferocious orc on level seven. Um, and then you're going to need that money because shortly after we break free of the car yards and get to our next section of the city, we're treated to a some magic armor or magic. And then there's also weapons, right? There's two yeah. stores. One's weapons. The other one was there's some key items I think we need to buy there. Yes, absolutely. And you can get a ton of money. Um, so, you know, I was able to be, you know, we'll, we'll just get to it then. Uh, th there is another little room where some, uh, I don't know, heavy dudes and mages spawn. So if you need to, you can grind there. Um, you can. Wait, I absolutely did. I did use that room uh, to grind for a little bit. Didn't yeah. take too long. Yeah. Okay, cool. I was curious. Yeah, because I was. So I was like, I'm not grinding. I'm a cheater and a lazy. But and, you know, we should also mention, too, that like the gang leader is almost as tough as the king. After him, you know, the ninth and tenth foes are maybe harder. I don't know, depending on how you look at it. He's actually not the toughest foe in there. But what you can do, what I did is, you know, you beat the king. And now you can leave and you get out. And as you mentioned, there is a, a weapon store and some other like magic item store that you can access and you want to but you can come back and finish off the arena later to get even more money which i highly recommend and that is something that i did not know so i was stuck fighting in the arena trying to beat level eight for the longest time thinking okay i want to get through this before i leave because i may not get to come back and get all this precious um, money but, sure um, yeah so moving out of of this place you'll find yourself in what is called old town and it's it's actually not that complex of an area. It's pretty much just the car yards and like one kind of little street that curves a bit. So, but there's a couple places. There's a, a monorail station you can use to go elsewhere. It wouldn't be Shadowrun if there wasn't a club. So there's the Sputnik Club you can visit here. A lot of clubs in this town. They love clubbing in 2015 Seattle. <laughs> I don't blame them. In this dystopian world, you need to to jam out as much as you can to, to escape. <laughs> but there's a... Uh, the the weapon store we were talking about is Vivian's Weapon Shop, who is a, a dwarf. And I was super pleased to get to this point because at this point in the game, that Beretta is starting to feel a little little underpowered. So I purchased the Defiance T250 shotgun for 15,000 new in, which made the game move a lot quicker after that. 
Amen. Yes, you can also get a mesh jacket there, which is actually a steel mesh wire jacket. It's not a just mesh shirt or jacket, which kind of sounds <laughs> like, which I mean, would look pretty sexy, but it's not going to protect you. I don't think it's stopping bullets, brother. (laughs) Unfortunately, the the mesh jacket will increase your defense rating by two. So that's two points less of damage that you'll be taking, uh, which is priceless. It is indeed priceless if you don't like running back and forth to beds and saving and healing. Or if you don't have the right keyword to buy the only healing item, you want (laughs) to save as many hit points as you want. And this, you know, I like this because, you know, I I came out with like 20 some thousand gold. So like you, I was able to buy the the Defiance shotgun and and get the armor. After that, then you can go back to the car yards. And those guys are way easier because, you know, your attack power goes from like three or two to eight. So which your attack power is kind of like, the maximum damage you can do in a shot. It'll go up, you know, so it's kind of random between one and eight, the amount of damage. We mentioned episode one that uh, there's not much of a reason to put karma into your strength past level six, right? Yeah. I believe, so I read somewhere that there was a guide out there that um, described that that changes depending on what weapon you're using because there's a different hit percentage stat that governs the likelihood you're going to land your shots and uh, the Beretta six is indeed the maximum. So there's no point to go past that for there. But I read Mm. somewhere that the shotgun was at least seven and that some of the later weapons that we'll be getting in the game could go up to nine. I didn't see anything past that, but that will guarantee every shot actually his. For your strength or for your firearms? I'm sorry, for the firearms. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. I I just happened to read on one or two. I, I saw it in two different places where they were like, don't bother with doing it after seven. So I didn't, but I feel like there's got to be something there, you know, otherwise, why is it in the game? Was it a... I think I stopped at eight personally, but... Yeah. It's also worth mentioning that in this firearm store, you can sell your old gear if you so choose. You can sell your old Beretta and get 200 new yen and sell your old leather jacket. I actually kept the leather jacket. Yeah. And I gave it to one of my shadow runners later on to improve their defense stat, which ended oh. up kind of being, I would have rather taken the money, but. Oh yeah. Discuss <laughs> that once we get there. I was a little salty about that. Fair enough. Uh, and you know, this, this weapon store does have like four other guns, which is cool, but it's, this is something that I feel like I, I would kind of, I guess, change in a way because. And I remember this from my youth. My first times playing this is where it's like, all right, I got out of the car yards. I got a ton of money and. Well, I'm going to buy the shotgun. And then it's like, well, I'm not going to buy another gun until the end of the game. <laughs> like there's these other guns, like, you know, it's like you only end up getting like three, or four weapons essentially, because you can kind of skip past them all. You know what I'm saying? Like the, there's like exactly. the Ares Viper and the Ruger Warhawk. And I'm like, well, I'm, I'm sure those are fine weapons, but why, why would I? <laughs> this was also one of my gripes, I guess, with the graphics themselves, because I really wanted there to be a different sprite for when I got that shotgun. But I think it's the same, no matter what weapon oh. you use, it's the same, same handgun that Jake's carrying around whenever you're shooting. Yeah, that would be cool, too. I agree. Yeah. So, you know, armor up, you can head back, get some more money from that car yards if you need to um you can also explore the talisman shop that uh, we kind of talked about where you can get a sharp wooden stake a blue and purple bottle and a black potion bottle these are you will have no idea what they're for you can come back later to get them if you need but they will show up handy later 
I would recommend purchasing the steak. That's going to come in real handy sooner than the other items that you can purchase there. Yeah, yes, yes, it will. Um, and you can get uh, the talisman and shaman keywords as well as the phone number for this uh, shop owner. So that's worthwhile. Indeed. And then at this point, it's important to note that you should have at least 2,000 new yen before you continue the game if you don't want to get held up or have to backtrack. That's right, because... Uh... Our next stop is we're going to be heading to uh, Ed's Patch and Fix, which is a street dock. And he, if you ask him about your data jack, uh, he'll investigate it for 500 new yen. But what he does is inadvertently activate a bomb that was planted in your head, a cortex bomb. So yeah. at that point, he says... Um, he, you need to talk to a better street doc, essentially. He's not good enough to fix that problem. So he refers you to another doctor. We need to head over to Dr. Maplethorpe. Yeah, and you get like, what is it, like 20, 30 hours or something? There is a kind of timer to it before it will explode. I don't think there's anything visually, but you'll hear tick or a beep or something, and then you'll get a message that pops up that says you've got 20 yeah. hours, you've got 19 hours, which I don't know what that is in real time, but it felt yeah. like enough time to figure it out. Oh, yeah, I didn't I didn't get close, but it was still enough to be like, oh, geez, I got to, you know, I, I'm in a hurry, you know, definitely sprinting around like, oh, God, this thing's going to go. I kind of want to see what happens if it does go off. I'm sure it's just a dialogue box, but I don't know if it show your head explode. I'd be down. <laughs> um, and um, and also, uh, this is the guy I shot I was, after he was like, sorry, you can have your money back. And I was just like, screw you, pal. Uh, if there's one person in the game that's an NPC to shoot, he's he's a decent one to pick. Yeah, I I feel like he deserved it, and I I didn't get a message, so maybe the game agrees. Um, and you can get some clues here if you go to that Sputnik Club. You can get a hiring keyword, and that's you can start. There's a couple Shadowrunners there as well if you are interested. One of which is <laughs> uh, dressed like a Native American guy whose name is Dances with Clams. It's <laughs> a fantastic name. With, yeah, it's yeah. Um, so yeah, there, and that's kind of all there is to do in old town. Now we need to go get our brain, our cortex bomb straightened out. So the place to go is to the monorail station. Yep. Our next stop is indeed the monorail. We're going to go to uh, the next section of the city. And this section that we're going to is, uh, where you got shot in the beginning of the game. If you remember that cut scene where Jake gets mm. taken out by the gang, that's your, you're back in that area. Yeah. The downtown. So <laughs> Right away, you get off of the little monorail, and you're almost immediately assaulted by some orcs. <laughs> like, you They're walk out of the station. Yeah, and they gun you down. Um, oh, this is the also the first transition cutscene we get when we're doing some form of travel. There's a couple different oh, ones yeah. of this in the game, and this this is awesome. But you can skip it if you want, but it's just Jake sitting on a futuristic monorail. Yeah, man, mass transit. What a guy. It's um, So these orcs will try to gun you down, and then... After one of them kind of has like last words for you where he's like dying and that's how you can get a rust stilettos keyword. But yeah, which I thought was going to be more pivotal to the story. The rust stilettos, they kind of just end up being uh, a lackluster gang that wants to take you out for whatever reason, but they never really. I mean, you you fight a bunch of them, but yeah, uh, they're not well, central to the story. Or if you're me and you're slamming down that button. <laughs> You're just skip past the conversation and you don't get it. So I'm glad it wasn't that important of a keyword because later, you know, I would see and I'd be like, how am I supposed to figure out where to go? And they're like, go here and use the Rust Stilettos keyword. And this guy will tell you where their base is. And I'm like, oh, well, I, I don't have that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he also drops an iron key, which you'll need. Uh, uh, so, yeah, you take them down and then you got to find your way to Dr. Maplethorpe. 
This is the biggest section of the game. You get the most free reign of the city to run around. There's yes. got the most amount of streets and, and things to go look at. And this is where the bulk of the rest of the game takes place, really. Um, yeah. I, did you get lost running around out here? I just kept wanting to go into every nook and cranny. This is probably the first spot that I was thinking to myself, if I were a kid, I might stop here because it, you just get overwhelmed. There's so many people to talk to, so many different directions you could go. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's... it's- you know, it's fun to explore a bit, constantly being gunned down by ambushes, but you come out into, what is it, Daily Station, you get off of the monorail, you, you know, you got to find, you know, and this is this is a first area too, where you'll be com- coming by some some big uh, Aneki building, Drake Tower, like these, you, can, you don't have access to these places yet, so, but you got to find Dr. Maplethorpe's office, I guess. Yeah, I... I'm trying made to the think. mistake of I thought the Ineki building for the longest time was his office, and I kept trying to figure out how to take the elevator in the Ineki building. Oh, and it let me! Uh, and then there's actually some difficult orcs you have to fight on your way up in there. And I, I remember going back and forth trying to kill these guys so I could get inside, thinking that's where I needed to go. However, if you just keep heading south past that building, you'll find kind of a crappy-looking apartment building, and that's where Doctor Maplethorpe's office is. Which you want to do, man? Did you obviously oh, <laughs> the guys ambushing you in the windows in this part of the game is aggressive. I, I hated when every time I had to go to this man's office because you walk around the corner and like six dudes pop yeah. out of windows and just start lighting you up every time. It doesn't matter if you kill them all or not. If you leave the screen and come back, they're they're lighting you up. Well, and those window guys are the worst because they don't drop Nuyen. Yeah, but yes, it's always that's why I try to be ready. You know, you always got to be ready when you're going to the doctor. So I ran past him every time. I was like, I'm not even going to deal with it. Just screw it. Yeah, well, I can't say I blame you. Um, but yeah, you come in. There's a receptionist who, if you ask about a cortex bomb, and it's two thousand Nuyen to get it removed, and he will do so successfully. Indeed, he does. And the best thing about this guy is he's got a couple items for sale for you that will make this game a little bit easier. Oh, yes. Such as the boosted reflexes and the skill software. Skill software is 3,000 new yen, teaches you the leadership skill, which keeps your hired shadow runners in your party for a longer period of time. Mm-hmm. And then boosted reflexes will raise the rate at which you fire your weapons. And I would recommend picking this one up first. It is pricey, though. It's at 15,000 new yen. So oh, well spent new yen. Yeah, it may take some... Uh... Some grinding for that, or cheating if you're me. But um, you you got to get that straight away because that that helps a ton. It's worth saying too that if you don't plan on using Shadowrunners or have no interest, you uh, and you know spoilers, you really don't need them to get through the game. There's no reason to buy skill software. Yeah, it's I which I did end up buying, but I you know like I said, I, I didn't end up. I was like, well, once I get all this stuff, I'll get some Shadowrunners. But I was I was cruising, so I didn't do it. I bought it and then realized I was a thousand short after that to get boosted reflexes and oh. I looked up what they were to, to make sure what I was doing was the, the right thing. And once I found out what they actually did for you, I actually reloaded an older save and went back and bought the boosted reflexes instead. Heck yeah. Yeah. Now that you have your data jack repaired, you can start hacking into computers to enter the matrix. Let me get your overall opinion on hacking into the matrix in this game. What are your thoughts? Um, I don't mind it. It's not super difficult it's you know it's similar to a say minesweeper although it's not all the maps are slightly you know they're different there's different like chunks you can go into i would just start running through there because while i I did find out that you can die from taking too much damage in it you can disarm mines 
you know, it'll tell you how many are near you and whichever direction you're facing, you can kind of attack in that direction. And then if there's a, what they call an IC, which is a, what is it? Intrusion countermeasure, which will hurt you if you run into it. But if you attack it, it will get destroyed. Um, however, if you attack a space where there is no IC, you will still lose a little bit of life. But I will say it's nice being able to jack out of this thing at any time, because as you're navigating through this, if you're losing health and taking damage, um, if you're trying to use your bombs to blow up the, the ICs, or uh, I'm not sure what the terminology is, um, mm -hmm. but if you, you can fail, there's some RNG involved there where if you fail yeah. that task, you take a big chunk of damage for it. So it's really kind of a risk. Um, so if you start to get low in health in this thing uh, and you're worried about navigating your way out, you can just jack right out and heal yourself up and go back in, which can be a pain, but at least it's there. Yeah, it's totally worth it. And, you know, I mostly would just go like in a straight path towards whatever. You'll see little kind of what looks like a clear cube outline, so to speak. That's where the data is. And you can go and collect whatever various data is. Sometimes it's money. Sometimes it's junk. And sometimes it'll be like a data file where you'll get some like, I guess, a chunk of an email or some information. Let me ask you this, Nick. Um, so we're in a top down view and we're running around on a grid, essentially, sort of playing mm -hmm. Minesweeper. Where where does it tell you uh, if the mines are nearby you or not? Is that the second meter at the bottom left-hand side of the screen? Because I had no idea. No, okay, there's a meter. Gosh, I'm trying to think. It's a little message that pops up that it'll be like one IC nearby, two, three, four. Oh, I thought that was just every step on the grid that you took would tell you that you successfully moved to that point. I thought it was just like computer data that it was giving. I didn't realize that was information that it was trying to give you. And then if that's the case, I have no idea what the second meter at the bottom left-hand side of the screen is for. One is your health. The other one, yeah. I, I don't know. The other one is your data capacity because uh -huh. if you if you fill it up, sometimes with trash, it'll be like you're full and you have to jack out just to see. And then it'll kind of dump your trash data so you can go back or whatever. Now, I never ran into that in, in any of these, and you do quite a few of them. There's there's many of them yeah. that you have to do to advance the game. Yes, yeah. So it's not too, not very tough. I mean, they do, of course, get larger and more complicated as the game goes on, but it, uh, for the most part, was you know pretty easy. And if I was feeling lazy, I did find a gentleman who had uploaded maps of all of the matrix computer things so you can again if you don't if you do, if you have no compunction against uh, being a shameless cheater you can just like me you can just do that and then roll in and I'm, I, there are a couple places here in the downtown where you can get a couple thousand or you know you'll start getting progressively more nuyen as you go and that, that can help save you some grinding time and effort you know yeah, jacking into the Matrix is one of the best ways to earn new yen at a lot of spots in this game. But I will say, I didn't enjoy it at all. I got super sick of the the Matrix runs as the game yeah. went on, especially at the end when they they throw a lot at you at the one at once. Yeah, because at the end it'll be like the, it's all like three different grids that are like rooms, and you have to go through one to unlock to get to this one to unlock to get to the other one and. But at this point, since we can jack into computers and head into the Matrix, uh, our next stop should be back to Glutman's office, which, if you remember, is where we find our first computer that we could hack into into the game. We just didn't have the capability yet. So let's head back there and hack into his computer. Yeah, which you get like, what, a thousand new yen from that and some data? You get a thousand new yen and you... I guess here is where it would be important to start pumping some of your karma into the computer skill, which should help with some of the hacking sequence. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, after, I think you're 
uh, it, again, your computer skill, depending on where it's at, determines your success for defeating ICs and other stuff. Afterward, I think we get a branching path. It's you can you can go one direction in the game, or you can go to the docks, and I chose to go to the docks. Okay, me too. Um, I think Doctor Maplethorpe mentions it because he's like Matrix Systems is there or something. So which you can head, you know, it's kind of southish. Southwest, yeah. Southwestish in the in the town. Southwest sauce on my Italian sub. Thank you. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the docks, which there's only like three screens down here. Um, there's a boat harbor. There's lots of uh, you can buy like, orcs, mages, and hitmen. You can talk to this guy who has a boat, but he can't really help you anymore. There is a door that's unlocked that does have a computer you can hack into. You can earn uh, 2,000 bucks as well as get a data file, which mentions something strange where it's like an anti-AI program. The courier will deliver it to Pushkin. All other copies destroyed. It's like, ooh, what's this thing here? Perhaps more importantly, though. Dog. Yeah, there's a room where you can meet the dog. Go meet the dog himself in his glorious ethereal spirit form. Yeah, so this is where he tells you, you know, you get that clue for finding items of a man, a creature, and the earth, which, okay, <laughs> good to know. So uh, I guess we'll be back there. Um, so not to ruin the mystery, but Dog will eventually be the person who grants us our magical abilities in the game. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, I, I don't know about you, but I remember texting you about this as I was doing my playthrough, but I thought the entire time I didn't have a heal spell. Like, I went fairly far past this point in the game and i'm like man i'm sick of going back to buy these slap badges when do i get this heal spell what do i gotta do oh no and again during during my run i was loosely using a walkthrough i didn't want to just run my whole way through it i wanted to experience some of the backtracking and walking around and trying to figure it out for myself um but at some point i looked at my inventory and i realized i had the heal spell so i must have just been pounding the dialogue button oh. and skipped right past him saying oh. you've been granted the heal spell so i had it there the whole time and i just i didn't use it until maybe 75 percent through the game Man, that's rough because the slap patches do not give you nearly as much life. You know, uh, let me tell you, my friend, I wasted <laughs> a lot of money going back to that kid and probably made that kid a millionaire. That punk kid. I think you can also buy them from Dr. Maplethorpe as well. Oh, can you? I didn't know that. I think it's the same price, so it doesn't really matter. Um, Unless we work on our negotiation. Uh, yeah, maybe. Uh, finally, here at the docks, there's a third door and... Yeah, our girlfriend Sassy's in here, right? Sweet Sassy, yeah. You... But it's not Sassy. No, she disgustingly transforms into an octopus. And attacks you. And that's where the game changes into a tentacle porn hentai, hentai game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, how did, uh, did you have trouble with this uh, octopus? This whole area, I will say, there seems to be a difficulty spike. It doesn't become unplayable by any means but if you didn't pick up a shotgun yeah. and or the mesh jacket you're gonna be looking at some hard times coming through this area um octopus didn't give me any trouble at that point though i i dude i this was something i i remembered from my youth so it clearly had to come from nintendo power with but uh you know the octopus will start shooting blobs of either magic or ink or something at you and if you back up you can get its sprite just on the screen but it'll stop shooting and then you can just shoot it. So I just did uh, that. Which you I, them out, huh? I have a feeling. I don't know if you're intended to go to this area first or not. So I, I always was kind of thought I was sequence breaking when I would come here first. I read somewhere that this is sequence breaking, but it makes the game go quicker to, to come do this stuff first and then return back when you need to. 
Right on. Yeah, I could see that. But yeah, I defeat the octopus, uh, which drops 2,000 Nuyen. So I don't know what it was going to spend those on. But uh... <laughs> also, where does he work? You know, <laughs> yeah. what does he do? How does an octopus? I don't know, man. Maybe it's a drummer. But uh... Data entry. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But it will also leave behind a pool of ink. So you're going to want it. You will need a the black bottle from that talisman shop to collect it. But it will not. It'll stay here forever so if you don't have the bottle now you can always come back and i had to look this up too because if you don't buy that black bottle the talisman shop just because you don't want it or you don't have enough money for it uh, you don't know what the heck in your inventory you need to use to interact with this this yeah. black ink so which i went through a whole bunch of stuff like what the heck do i do and i ended up just looking it up there are a couple spots like this where the game's a little obtuse where you're just like i don't know you know uh <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know. I wish there was a little more clues about it. Or even if the, the shaman in the talisman shop was like, hey, these will help you get spells or, you know, it's all of this like vague, admittedly kind of in character or in universe stuff. But it's like you can break the, the suspension of disbelief briefly to let me know, like, hey, these are spells. You need these for spells because this right. The ink will give you the invisibility spell if you get the black bottle and then come. Well, you got to take it to dog, right? Yeah, yeah. Because then, and that's an MVP spell. I mean, heal's the real winner, but invisibility's right up there with it, you know? Invisibility is going to come in handy hugely once we get to the Ineki building. Oh, yeah, mama. Oh, yeah. So we are octopus slayers, and we've defeated them. And then uh, we can kind of, then it'll be time to investigate some rust stilettos. And after slaying an octopus, it's I think we've earned a little rest, so we can go to our favorite bar and have an iced tea. Um, <laughs> but we're going to call this episode here. Uh, we'll be back next week with more coverage of this uh, SNES classic. We'll uncover more of this interesting story of Jake Armitage. That's right. You know, and you know, with that, I'd like to thank uh, Radiant Blur, uh, top tier patron who uh, suggested this game, uh, and we will eventually get to your to the Sega Genesis version as well. Um, and if you have some games you want to suggest to us, uh, we'd love to hear them. Even if you're not one of the elite patrons like Radiant Blur, uh, you can let us know at several places, cartridgecommand at gmail.com, cartcommand at Twitter. And I hear rumors that we're still on Facebook, but I wouldn't know. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, we let love us know you. too if you want to see us on more platforms as well. We're not totally against expanding to things like YouTube or Anything else you might want to hear us on? Yes, and of course, uh, we have to thank our patrons. I mean, we love our listeners as well. Well, thank you for for your listens. But you know, our patrons keep the you know their it's their new in that keeps the monorails running on time or as close to on time as we can manage here. <laughs> so you yeah, without you, the show would totally be geeked. Geeked, yes, right, that's right. So we we like to thank all of our sweet chummers. I don't know. I'm running out of slangs. Uh, uh, we're, we're trying not to get brain burnt here. Uh, apparently, it's too late for me, but. Uh, <laughs> you just but need a slap patch, brother. Yeah, we appreciate all the help, man. With slap patches, all, all the good stuff. So, yeah. So, thank you. Thank you, patrons. Thank you for your service and your money. And until next time, game on.
game on. Game on. Good, good, good game on. All right. <laughs> yeah, not at all. Uh, we're trying to trying to get back on track here now. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't even know what the hell I'm going. Okay. Um, <clears throat> <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh.